What's up, everyone? The NFL season is two days away. Thursday night, we've got our kickoff game at the Buck Stadium, which we've got in the background here against the Dallas Cowboys. It's going to be fun. And so today, we have our rookie preview for you. Later on in this episode, we're going to be revealing our rookie of the year picks, as well as the runners up and the dark horse picks for this title on both sides of the ball. But first, we're going to each give you two guys that we think are going to surprise out of this rookie class in 2021 and two that we think are going to disappoint. So Alex, you want to go ahead and, and give us your two that you think are going to surprise? Yeah. So I'll start with my first one. Uh, Tylen Wallace, the wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, to start off, obviously we both loved uh, Rashad Bateman, the first round pick of the Ravens, who was a wide receiver. Unfortunately, he, he is injured and this kind of opens the door for Tylen Wallace. If you look in the Ravens depth chart right now, he's not listed as a starter. However, he's listed behind Sammy Watkins, who we all know will get injured at some point in the season, uh, unfortunately for him. So I really think that's going to open the door for Tylen Wallace to be a, a starting wide receiver um, for the Ravens. And honestly, I think he could become the number one wide receiver with both Watkins and um, Bateman out. I think, you know, Marquise Brown is more that deep threat that, you know, Go run a go run a deep post or something like that. I think Tylen Wallace could become a very reliable receiver off for Lamar Jackson. He's got great hands. He's a really good route runner. He creates nice separation, um, and he's more than just a deep threat. Uh, he can run some of those short intermediate routes. And you know they've been looking for that player for a long time. Um, obviously, we thought it was Rashad Bateman, um, and I think eventually it definitely will be. But right now, I think with Bateman out. Sammy Watkins probably, you know, he's he's getting older as well. So I think there's going to be a door open for Tylen Wallace to get on the field and play early. And uh, I, I think, you know, he's definitely going to impress a lot of you guys. And we have uh, one of our listeners, Walter. Tylen has a nose for the end zone as well. Great ball skills, totally. Um, if you watch his tape uh, at Oklahoma State, he got to the end zone and he was great at con contested catches as well. So I think he's got really all the skills to be a, a – potential number one receiver this year for the Ravens. I think the, the important part is that this is exactly what the Ravens have been lacking and that he can establish himself in the early weeks of the season when Rashad Bateman is still injured because the Ravens have clearly been lacking that type of big body receiver who can move the chains, who can go up and get it in the end zone. And Tylen Wallace can be exactly that, but he's also a really good route runner and can win in other ways. And so my first surprise of this rookie class is actually another receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown from the Lions. I loved St. Brown coming out, and he was one of those guys where as the draft was going on, I was just wondering, where is he? Why isn't he coming off the board? And he even slipped all the way to day three, going in round four to Detroit. He fell into really the perfect situation because of how much opportunity he has there in a really bare wide receiver room that is headlined by Tyrell Williams. And I think he's even already got the wide receiver two job with guys like Khalif Raymond and uh, Quintess Cephas behind him. So it really kind of is one of the worst wide receiver charts that we have seen in, in a while in the NFL, in my opinion. But that just means that Amon Ross St. Brown has all of the opportunity in the world to go out and be the wide receiver one. He's also a really good route runner. So he's a, he's a pro ready receiver. I think he'll have a great rapport with Jared Goff, who likes to target some of these guys who excel at setting up defensive backs. He, he really could be Jared Goff's Cooper Cup in Detroit. And I think that Amon Ross St. Brown is a guy that we're not hearing a lot about because he didn't go high in the draft, but he's going to have a really good rookie year. 
Yeah, totally. I mean, you really, you really said it with the fact that there's really no one in that wide receiver room. Um, like, you know, not to be offensive to anyone in that wide receiver room, but you know, Amon Ross St. Brown could easily be the best wide receiver uh, by year's end. I think, you know, like you said, Khalif Raymond um, is the, he was the wide receiver two, now the wide receiver three. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown took that spot. And, you know, I also really liked him coming out. And I think, like you said, he's in the perfect situation to make the most of his skills early on in his career. And I think he could definitely be become Jared Goff's favorite target. Yep. And my next surprise is Trey Smith, the offensive guard from the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he's a guy who slipped a lot in the draft, and it seems like it was for medical reasons. He was injured for much of 2020, and there was some kind of serious medical issues, but those seem to have been put to rest as he's been healthy throughout the preseason, and he's actually grabbed a starting spot as a sixth rounder, and that shows the extent to which he he slid due, due to medical conditions and not his play on tape, because in my opinion, he was a top 50 talent in this draft. I had about a mid-second round grade, and he's a very pro-ready player as well. He had a lot of experience in the SEC going up against the top defensive lines in the nation week in and week out performing really well. He's very powerful, very technically refined, not a lot of holes in his game. And he's starting for the Chiefs right now. I know Kyle Long and Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, I'm I'm pronouncing that wrong, I bet. But regardless, they've, they're they injured, which has opened the door for Smith. And he, I think he's going to seize that opportunity and run with it. Yeah, and regarding Trey Smith's uh, medical concerns, uh, from from what I know, they were blood clots in the lungs in 2018. Um, so it, obviously that's a huge uh, major concern. But he played all 2019 and 2020, um, and he was cleared from that. So hopefully that is behind him. Um, and yeah, I mean Trey Smith. Obviously he fell a lot because of those medical concerns. And like you said, with most of these guys, they're it's it's not necessarily about their talent. Obviously, they're very talented, but more the fact with these rookies, it's seizing the opportunity that has been presented to them. Um, obviously, they're talented guys, but it, maybe if they were in a different situation, they wouldn't get the opportunity uh, to play right away as these three guys that we've already mentioned um, have. And now that will bring me to my fourth uh, rookie that will surprise, and that's um, Hamsa Nasirildin. Uh, the former safety converted to linebacker. He was a sixth-round pick of the Jets. Um, and similar to the previous three, the Jets are very depleted at the linebacker position. Um, and Robert Sala moved Nasiril Dean to linebacker, and he's now starting uh, as an outside linebacker for the Jets. And coming out, I wasn't the biggest fan of him as a safety prospect. I think he, he lacked kind of the, the long-term range and mobility that a safety needed. Um, after his ACL injury. However, he profiled really well as a box safety, and I think uh, a linebacker is a, a really good position for him to play. Um, he has the coverage skills, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see what Robert Sala can do with him. He's had uh, good good history with rookie linebackers, so it'll definitely be interesting. Yeah, when I saw that he was slated to start at linebacker, I thought that was really intriguing, especially because we know that Robert Sala is a really good defensive mind, and he definitely has the qualities to to play permanently at the second level of the defense, and I, I think he could end up producing a really good rookie year indeed. And to start off with the rookies that I think will disappoint, on the, staying on the defensive side of the ball, Peyton Turner was my least favorite first-round pick at the time. I, I had a day three grade on him, actually, and the Saints went and took him in the first round. He's currently... 
a third stringer on their depth chart. And I think this is a, a guy who might not even really see the field much his entire rookie season. And we're going to go and look at, at, at the draft order at the end of the year, just seeing who performed, who didn't. And people are going to remember, wait, this was a first round pick. I, I didn't hear his name this year because I, I just didn't think that he was anywhere near a first round quality player coming out. I think he severely lacked bend and burst around the edge to be able to disrupt the quarterback as a pass rusher. And they've got good starting defensive ends in Cameron Jordan and Marcus Davenport. So I think barring a cascade of injuries, it's going to be really tough for Peyton Turner to see the field and live up to first round expectations this year. Yeah. I mean, not really much else to say about that. He was another one of my least favorite first round picks um, and keep staying on the defensive side of the ball, another defensive end, uh, I'm, I'm going with the, the Bills defensive end, Gregory Rousseau. Uh, he was the 30th overall pick, and Rousseau definitely has a lot of talent. Uh, he's got, you know, a lot of it's like raw talent, though, and he was an opt-out uh, in the 2020 season, and that's, that's one, of the, one of the issues that I have with Rousseau. He had one good season at Miami in 2019. But a lot of his his sacks weren't, you know, right away beat the uh, beat the offensive tackle, get to the quarterback. There were a lot of covered sacks, a lot of things like that. Um, and I think he really could have benefited from playing that 2020 season. Um, and we've seen a lot of opt out struggle in training camp and stuff like that. And Rousseau was definitely a player that needs as many reps as he can get to and can c- continue to refine his game. Um, and I think, you know, just by the fact that one, he's not listed as a starter. He's a second string defensive end for the bills right now. He'll definitely get uh, on the field in situational pass rushing situations, but I just think it's going to take him some time to be able to reach his potential. Yeah. When you see that opt outs who really were already elite NFL ready players like Jamar Chase and Panaisu will have some struggles in the preseason. I think there's no doubt that the people who opted out that really weren't even ready to end their college career yet, like Gregory Rousseau, who still needed refinement and only got to play one year in college. I definitely see him struggling. And my next player that I think will disappoint in 2021 is Giants rookie wide receiver Kadarius Toney. I I think that Toney is going to be severely outperformed by several wide receivers who came after him. It could be a, a whole handful, such as Rashad Bateman when he comes back from injury. Elijah Moore has been playing really well in training camp with the Jets. Terrace Marshall for the Panthers is another guy I think is going to have a a really good rookie year. Obviously, I just talked about Amon Ross St. Brown, so I think we could end up looking back and and seeing a lot of wide receivers drafted after Tony playing a lot better than him. Tony currently isn't slated to be one of the three starting wide receivers. I thought he came into the NFL with a game that really wasn't pro-ready at all. He lacked a lot of nuance in his routes, and he was more of a gadget player in his time at at Florida, so it's going to take some development. And I just don't know um, if he's going to be able to get that development in what seems like a, a rough patch for the Giants right now, especially offensively. I don't think that the passing offense is going to thrive this year with Daniel Jones. And so I, I see Kadarius Tony having a pretty quiet rookie year. Yeah, I think to me, Kadarius Tony is more of a, a gadget player than a true like number one receiver. And I feel like when you draft the wide receiver in the first round, especially, you know, top 20, like the Giants did, I feel like that's what you're looking for. Um, and I feel like, unfortunately, Tony won't be that for the Giants. Um, like you said, I think there's going to be a, a good amount of wide receivers drafted uh, later in the first or second, third round, fourth round even, like Amon Ross St. Brown, that will definitely have the potential at least to outproduce Tony. And, yeah, I agree, especially with Daniel Jones at quarterback, a lot of question marks still there. I think Tony might be 
one to disappoint. Uh, and moving on to my last uh, player that I think will disappoint this year, Jackson Carmen, uh, the offensive lineman for the Bengals. Now, first of all, the Bengals drafted Carmen in the second round. I had him as a, a day three pick, um, and they took him over uh, a few tackles that were still on the board that I was just kind of mind blown. I think Samuel Cosme was a guy mm-hmm. I really liked. Um, Tevin Jenkins, unfortunately, he's injured, but they took him ahead of him as well. And, you know, the reports out of training camp are not really good for Jackson Carmen. It was reported he showed up to training camp overweight. Um, and obviously he's not a starter now. He's listed as a second string behind, honestly, no one special uh, along the offensive line. And the, the Bengals were really looking for that offensive line help. They could have taken Panaisu round one. They opted to go Jamar Chase. And so they were obviously banking on that second round pick to be an offensive lineman that will perform kind of immediately. And it doesn't look like Carmen will do that for them. Yeah. At the time I thought that they should have picked Sewell, but if they were going to go with Chase, who was also a top 10 talent, they definitely need to come back in the second round and get a really good offensive tackle. I thought that they were hoping that Samuel Cosme would be there. He ended up being there and even sliding like 10 to 15 picks farther than that to the Washington football team. And they, they didn't pick him. They picked Jackson, Jackson Carmen, who I think profiles as a guard at the next level and who I had a fourth round grade on. But now we're going to move on to the second part of this episode, which is, drumroll please, our Rookie of the Year predictions. And on the offensive side of the ball, it's no surprise, we're going to have Trevor Lawrence winning this award. Rookie of the Year award is, in in a lot of uh, honesty, popularity contest, especially on the offensive side. I think it's a better reflection of who played the best on the defensive side of the ball because it's a really quarterback-driven award for Offensive Rookie of the Year. We saw Justin Jefferson have an incredible season, and Justin Herbert won it. Yes, Justin Herbert had a really good season too, but when you see what Jefferson did, you've got to ask what can a non-quarterback do to win this award. And I think in a year where there there were five quarterbacks in the first round, it's going to be a quarterback, and Trevor Lawrence is a guy that I mean, we all know he was an elite quarterback talent. It's been several years that everyone knew he was going first overall, and I think he's definitely going to play well enough to get the Offensive Rookie of the Year award. Yeah, I mean, honestly, not much really to say there. Uh, You know, he was the best quarterback in this draft class. Um, Yes, he went to a pretty talent-depleted team, and, you know, I I think he'll be able to rise uh, the talent on that Jacksonville Jaguars offense. Now, going to our our runner-ups for Offensive Rookie of the Year, we picked two. We picked um, Zach Wilson and uh, Najee Harris. I mean, Zach Wilson, really similar things to what we said about Trevor Lawrence, another elite quarterback prospect uh, who is a runner-up for a quarterback-driven award. Um, I think that Jets offense may be a little bit better than people are, are thinking. Um, I think their offensive line has definitely gotten better over the next two years or the past two years. And I think, you know, Zach Wilson – We'll, we'll definitely keep his name uh, in the Offensive Rookie of the Year conversation. Yeah, Zach Wilson is a really good quarterback prospect and very pro-ready, too. He's got great mechanics, great accuracy. He can lead an offense. He can throw in rhythm. He can throw in any tempo you want. I think he's going to shine in year one in that Jets offense. I think the other quarterbacks also have a shot at, at winning Offensive Rookie of the Year, and it's really going to be one of them. But the, the best non-quarterback in terms of – the, the finishing standings for this award, I think could be Najee Harris. And that's why he's our other front runner. We both loved him coming out. He's just an absolute beast with the ball in his hands and he can also catch out of the backfield really well. He's really a rare talent at the position and he's going to have a ton of carries this year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And now we're going to move on to our two dark horses 
for the Offensive Rookie of the Year uh, title. And one of them is Kyle Pitts, who went fourth overall. But this is really a dark horse pick because rookie tight ends don't even succeed usually. It takes a lot of, of time and development for tight ends to end up succeeding in the league. Even guys like George Kittle didn't break out immediately. And I just think that this could actually work in Pitts' favor where he have, have to, an excellent year. We saw Jefferson not win the award despite putting up 1,400 yards. But I think that if Pitts were to go out and have an incredible year, it could work in his favor that there's just such little history of production at the at the tight end position from rookies. So that's why I think he has some type of shot. He's probably still going to be a quarterback, but I'll give him I'll give him that. Who, who's our other uh, dark horse at Officer Rookie of the Year? So our other uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year dark horse is Trey Sermon, uh, the running back for the 49ers. And, I mean, what else is there to say other than running back for the 49ers? It seems like every yeah. single running back in that offense plays really well. Uh, and Trey Sermon, when given the opportunity, Ohio State really seized the moment. Uh, he had those big 200-plus yard games in huge games of the season for Ohio State where he really displayed what he can do uh, with a good offensive line and blocking scheme in front of him. And that's exactly what we're going to have, what he's going to have uh, in San Francisco. Yeah, I think that Raheem Mostert is pretty replaceable. He's had some injury issues, and I think the second he goes down or maybe even if he doesn't go down, I think Trey Sermon will seize that role. And if if those if that second half of the season and that stretch of incredible games by Trey Sermon last year was an indication of the talent he can be once he's unleashed behind a good offensive line and a good running offense, we could be in for something special from him this year. And I, I think he's a really good uh, dark horse, even if it, it is a long shot because, you know, it's a quarterback – uh, driven award and he's not even the RB1 on his team in week one but you know I think he can have a great rookie year now on the defensive side of the ball our rookie of the year pick is Patrick Sertan this was really close for between him and the runner-ups that we'll talk about right after this but Sertan is as pro ready as it gets he is stepping into this league with a very good understanding of how to play cornerback in the NFL I mean he's been taught since he was five years old by his dad who is a professional cornerback, how to be playing cornerback. He's got great technique to go along with good athleticism and just overall elite cover skills. I think he can step in there day one and, and start locking up NFL receivers. Yeah, and I think the important thing to point out about Sertan, though the one thing that people kind of put as a red flag for him uh, coming out of college was his ball skills. But he really showed those, showed those off in the preseason. He had two interceptions, I think, one return for a touchdown. So he definitely showed that when the ball's in the air, he can go up and get it and make plays, make plays with the ball in his hands. Uh, moving on to our, our runner-ups now, our first runner-up, uh, Pay. Um, he was a guy that I know, Costa, you really love. Yeah. Um, I liked him a lot as well. But, you know, he was a guy that really showed that he could play both the run and the pass game really well. He was near um, – he showed a lot of improvement in uh, his pass rushing skills from 2019 to 2020. Um, and he was really uh, our number one defensive end. And, you know, it really seems like if guys can get a lot of sacks from the defensive end position, they're in a good spot to get uh, defensive rookie of the year. And I think you'll definitely see Pay put up a decent number of sacks in that Colts defense. Yeah, I thought long and hard of arguing for Quiddy Pay to be the def our defensive rookie of the year choice. I just think Sertan is way more polished, but Pay could really explode this year and have a fantastic year. He was my number one defensive player on my big board in the 2021 NFL draft. And our other runner up is 
Micah Parsons, who's been making waves in preseason, playing really well. It seems like he hasn't been too rusty despite uh, opting out last year. And we know that he has a really special skill set where with great pass rushing skill from the linebacker position. And ultimately, that's what's going to get linebackers noticed, especially rookies, is if they can get to the quarterback. And he could start doing that at a high level already his rookie year. He's being pegged as maybe the favorite, actually, uh, in the general public. And he could end up high up there in the voting. Yeah, I mean, Parsons, we talked about opt-outs not playing very well in the preseasons. Parsons is the the one that is playing really well. Uh, I've heard reports from the Dallas training camp that he, he plays and he looks like a veteran, uh, even in meetings and stuff like that. So that says a ton about how he's coming along as a player. Moving on to our defensive player or defensive rookie of the year, Dark Horses, one of my favorite defensive prospects in this year's draft, Zayvon Collins, uh, the linebacker for the Arizona Cardinals. I just love his his size speed combo. The the dude is like 260 pounds and he runs like he's 230. It's crazy. He can make tackles all across the field. Um, he can he can put his hand down in the dirt, rush the passer. He plays the run really well. I really think you know he can do pretty much everything on defense. Um, and the Cardinals really love that kind of positionless linebacker almost with with guys that they have back there on the second level and, and reports coming from uh, Arizona is that he's playing really well uh, on that defense. Yeah. Arizona loves those, those type of hybrid linebackers who can rush the passer and do a whole variety of things at, at the second level. They also don't really know how to use them is my concern. I know Isaiah Simmons just didn't really have the rookie year that we were expecting. And I think that's because he wasn't really used correctly, but I hope that they've been, using the entire offseason to evaluate that, looking at the talent they have in Simmons and where he can improve and realizing that that's because they didn't really use him right. And maybe that contributed uh, with this decision to go and get one of those linebackers who's an insane athlete, can rush the passer really well, Liz Avon Collins, and I hope they're really going to unleash those two this year and have them play really well in tandem as, as they should be. And our other uh, dark horse for Defensive Rookie of the Year is Trayvon Morig, the safety from uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. If you're looking for the Jeremy Chin of this year, I think I think it could really be Trayvon Morrig. I was surprised that he wasn't the first safety off the board. I think that that's what people were generally expecting. And he's got really good coverage skills, very fluid. He can turn and run with anyone, great range, which helps him covering and going against the run sideline to sideline. And it, on that Raiders defense, I think they're gonna have to call his name a lot. I, I don't really uh, like their cornerback death chart. So he could be getting some high quality assignments in the the passing game and, and really be showing up. So I wouldn't be surprised if Morig is in the mix for defensive rookie of the year. Yeah. Morig was my safety one. Uh, you really mentioned it with his range on his ability to make plays and, and diagnose plays from that safety position was, was very impressive, uh, honestly. And I, I think he's definitely going to be a star on that uh, Las Vegas defense and with their, their draft history on the defensive back end, I think Mulrig might be a, a bright spot um, on that defense. Yep, and that wraps up this 2021 rookie preview. Go out and enjoy the return of the NFL on Thursday and this weekend. We've all been waiting for it for so long. And, of course, we'll be coming to you every few weeks, well, every week with a podcast at this time. It's going to be 7.30 Eastern time every Tuesday, and there will be – rookie re, uh, reviews of how the this rookie class is progressing throughout the season. And we're really excited to be following them and to be watching the NFL again. 
Thanks, everyone listening. We'll be back with another episode next week.